0: What's up you guys, Sean Ross, that managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com here for the March 5th, 2018 post-RAW podcast. Of course, all of this comes from Fightful.com, your leader in crossover coverage across MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. We have that news on Canelo up on the site right now, failed a drug test. We have UFC 222 coverage wall-to-wall. Did a great podcast with James Lynch this past Saturday, and of course... All kinds of stuff on the wrestling end. Breaking news all the time. Got podcasts all the time. I'll get a few plugs out of the way. Our first feature from uh, Kristen Ashley uh, posted today. She took a look at uh, SmackDown and WWE maybe not being the land of opportunity for one Becky Lynch. Also, Jason Kincaid's FAQ. If you don't know who Jason Kincaid is, he's a wrestler for Evolve. He's also wrestled for Ring of Honor, and he does some very special writing for us. And he takes a look at uh, creating moves and things like that. Uh, he's got his own section. If you go to the wrestling section and go to pro series, that's all him. On the MMA side, we have pros picks for Verdun Volkov. I released my full shoot interviews with Tim Storm and Kenny Dykstra. Always some cool stuff over there. Lots of stuff going on. Of course, the show brought to you by LivingSharp.com. If you need a gift idea, head over to LivingSharp.com. They have things for uh, all occasions and all prices, but I am joined tonight by one Alex Palowski, not at Raw despite it being in Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, it was one of those things that just totally spaced it uh, because I also uh, I don't have like local cable or whatever. I watch through the PlayStation View, so somebody was like, whenever it's in my town, it's just constantly showing Buy tickets, buy tickets, buy tickets. I never get those kind of commercials. Uh, I'm actually really uh, happy because that also means I don't get like Crazy Dan's House of Mattresses. I don't get those commercials too, uh, which are the worst in any market. So I'm happy.
0: Guys, head over to prowrestlingtees.com slash Fightful. We have the new Point at the Fucking Sign shirt. (laughs) And if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Don't know how long we're going to be allowed to keep that one up. <laughs> so you guys uh, might want to go at least check it out and che- and buy that one right now. That way you get it good and in time. Also, a little teaser for you here. In the coming weeks, Fightful will roll out an opportunity for you to uh, check out some premium content that we have on the way. I had some more ideas, and we found a way to do it in which you all can support Fightful. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We are putting together a lot of really cool options my god wwe uh ran raw tonight and of course being the elite announced their their show all in september 1st chicago uh not too far from me not too far from you relatively yeah. speaking it's true uh, what do you think about chicago being the uh location for all in
2: i think it's really good for roh like the, the, like those guys uh is, is it a sanctioned roh thing it's not like it's just no, these dudes it's them Putting it on, which is awesome, but they all have a huge fan base from their time in ROH and things like that in the area. Chicago is a huge city for professional wrestling, so just it's a huge deal for them. Uh, I think. I mean, if you're gonna you're gonna pick a place to try and sell out a 10,000 seat arena, Chicago is a great place to do it because it's also centrally located. There are a lot of fans from as far away as like Minneapolis who will say, "Yeah, I'm driving to that." Kentucky. Well, the original
0: thing was I think that I think it now I I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth because my details on the bet were a little bit foggy, but I think Dave Meltzer bet like Cody that that either Ring of Honor or New Japan wouldn't do ten thousand seats in America this year, or they wouldn't, or something like that, and they decided to do it on their own. I'll tell you this: had New Japan ran ten thousand seats for Long Beach, mm-hmm. they would have done it because Boy. they sold out before they announced. Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks, and before they announced Rey Mysterio for the show. So uh, on the condition that he actually gets to appear, he may have been injured this week. We'll see about that. But lots of stuff to talk about tonight, too. But before we get into this, no Cruiserweights on Raw again. They haven't been on Raw since the tournament, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's to hash out the tournament, I don't know. I but guess. Mustafa Ali did a very great promo this weekend on his own that you actually wrote about. It's going to be up tomorrow yes. on Fightful.com. Uh, tell the people about it.
2: Um, so um, read my my uh, piece uh, tomorrow morning. Um, uh, I do a whole history of, of Mustafa Ali, like where he comes from, his, his history with WWE, and how he's basically come to be at this point where the WWE needs to be smart and strap a rocket to this guy. Because not only is he fire in the ring, but he went out and shot, wrote, edited, cut together, and uploaded his own promo that makes, um, well, frankly, Mojo. It makes your promo from a few weeks ago that we were all salivating over look like a donkey turd. This thing looks looks amazing. Like he's, um, he did it all like on some some street on a sidewalk. Uh, but the lighting is all cool. He's got it's brilliantly written, really well acted. It's like he, he went and he wrote a monologue about his upcoming match with Buddy Murphy uh, that's coming up tomorrow. Which, by the way, if you love wrestling, like actual in ring work, and you're not tuning in tomorrow night, to watch Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali, I don't know what you're doing. Because this thing's going to be amazing. And the promo itself, find it. It's on Mustafa Ali's Twitter. I've tweeted it out a whole bunch of times. It's game-changing.
0: Like, better better yet, wait until 11 a.m. Eastern time right, right. and come to Fightful.com and check you know, it out. You know, do it then. Also, I'll have my podcast notes up in the morning, as I do after every Raw and SmackDown. And I do match ratings as well. So this episode of Monday Night Raw, it's uh, the week of WWE's last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, but really, I mean, and it did kind of have some SmackDown implications because Cena was on the show, but really not too much. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. Kurt Angle comes out, and he's already ready to fight. Calls out Triple H, gets Stephanie McMahon instead. She says that Triple H isn't there. She guilts him about alimony and paying for his kids but they messed up. She goes, how many kids you have Four. Kurt says five. He's got six. Jason Jordan's not (laughs) one of his kids now.
2: I guess you mean not grown possibly. Um, I just love that. You know, that Kurt is ready to fight because he's got that deep V and he's, he's ready to takes off the suit coat. He's ready to go. Um, This whole thing was just, funny to me because it's one of those things where wwe can't decide like uh, listen you can't call out Triple h do you really want to fight him because because i might have to fire you and then what will happen to your family oh by the way forget that i threatened to fire you in five minutes when you're le- when you're actually committing aggravated assault against my husband
0: well wow apparently there's a lot we don't know about contracts and there's a lot that the coach doesn't know about contracts as he said who knew these two had second contracts (laughs) minutes after he and graves are riffing on journalism because that's what they do now right if only some journalists would have reported that stephanie signed an extension on her wrestling deal through october 2019 and if they did Maybe they would have reported it on Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com. Or maybe they would have put it in their uh, contract expirations article, which you can only see at Fightful.com, as well as an injury report. I, I guess that would just have to be something that, that a real journalist would do. Yeah. Ronda Rousey comes out and says that she has dealt with, quote, bully bosses her whole life. Now, of course, the immediate assumption is dana white but she and him had, have had a great relationship for years at least from the outside looking in do you think that was a shot at dana white i don't know maybe or a playful jab
2: it could be a playful jab um but it also could be like we want you to say this Rhonda. you're gonna say this right she's like sure yeah. i'll say it because because the people who wrote the joke know that the guy up the top who's their boss would get a kick out of that ah, ah that's good shit you
0: know? I have really liked Ronda Rousey's delivery the last couple of weeks. She has yeah. been natural. She is fit. She's done it right. Uh, Rousey wants clarification that she can pick a WrestleMania opponent. Stephanie says, yes, as long as they're not a champion and they're on the main roster. Stephanie tries to give her a drum roll, but Rousey doesn't wait. Do you think that was supposed to happen or not?
2: I don't. She might have been a little nervous. I love the no-sell of the drum roll because you <laughs> yeah. know, like, I'm not waiting for this. I want you. I want you in the ring. I want to tear your arm out of its socket. Like I think that's a much better thing than like waiting and playing coy. Like that's better. I like that.
0: Somebody jokes that maybe Scott Coker was the bully boss. Scott Coker is the least bully boss you could find on earth. And I if you don't know who Scott Coker is, I I really encourage you to google him. He's not a bully. He is the most probably, uh, fighter friendly boss that has existed in major, uh, major MMA or boxing. So after Rousey makes that challenge, Triple H shows up, uh, (laughs) Kurt Angle says that they both have superstar contracts and Kurt makes the match. It's Rousey and Angle versus the Helmsleys. My God.
2: Yeah. I love this whole, like, um, we we're gonna fire you. And they're like, yeah, well, you're in a match. What are you gonna do about it? Nothing, I guess. Like, like if you if you don't want to be in this match so bad, you just threatened to fire him 20 seconds ago. Fire him, or at least say no, you're his boss. But whatever, it's wrestling, so I'm just supposed to not pay attention to these things. But this is fine, you know? And who I love seeing Kurt Angle with a fire lit under him. Like, there was a lot of stuff that he was doing before where he was like, sure, I'll be an honorary member of The Shield and dress like The Shield's dad, yeah. cosplaying as them. And sure, I'll, I'll I'll be a part of your Survivor Series team. But it didn't feel like he was into it. Like tonight, with the, with the old ankle lock on his old buddy Triple H, that felt like he was into it. And that's the kind of card angle I wanted to see. And I'm if that's what we're going to get for this many a program, that's cool. Let's do that.
0: The history of Stephanie McMahon and Triple H teaming up, they last teamed up alongside Steve Austin in April 2001. They lost to the Team Extreme, the Hardys and Lita. Uh, just a, cu- a few months before that, Stephanie and Triple H defeated Kurt Angle and Trish Stratus. Mm. They teamed up two times prior, September and August of 2000, and there it was in a six-person tag. Their teammate both times, Kurt Angle. Ah. Kurt Angle has been involved in all but one match that they have uh, teamed up in. So that's that's kind of a fun little stat there. So there we go. <laughs> Triple H and Kurt Angle come to blows. Angle ends up applying an ankle lock. Stephanie attacks uh, Rousey from behind, but gets Samoan dropped. Uh, maybe not the best in execution there.
2: No. Uh, I think she's, she's working on her Samoan drop. But... Um, my, my favorite part of this whole thing was just like, um, you know, we're all okay. So, Stephanie, just make sure you stand right by the apron with your head kind of back toward the ropes so we can make sure this whole thing works out while you get dragged back into the ring, um, which, which looked great, um, but it also looked like Rousey was... Not necessarily pulling her punches with the dragging of her. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, Stephanie threw her heels out, and it made for such a great visual. It was really awesome. I saw somebody on Twitter (laughs) joke that this was probably a recommendation by Stephanie just to prove that she had great hair. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I would have rather Stephanie and Rousey not touched until WrestleMania because I think that the payoff is – Stephanie gets her ass kicked. I mean, now she's gotten her ass kicked. Triple H got his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? Okay, whatever, sure. Uh, for that Samoa drop, it looked didn't look great from my mm-hmm. angle. But then again, my angle was zoomed in on Ronda Rousey's shoulder because of WWE production. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Asuka defeated Nia Jax. Early on, it didn't seem like they were on the same page. There were some really rough spots. Uh, Asuka had to go back to an octopus hold. That it looked like they missed on. Uh, that didn't last long because they picked it up and they rebounded in a hurry. And this got really, really good. Uh, Jax hit an inverted Eye of the Storm that probably was better in theory than execution because it was a little slow, but still, I thought it was a cool spot. And if she gets used to it, that'll be cool. Uh, Naya hit a nice Samoa drop of her own and a Gorilla Press Slam that she does as good as anybody in recent WWE memory. And looks as impressive. She gets like full extension on her elbows. Really makes that look awesome. Asuka applies a triangle. And Naya goes to powerbomb her a couple times. Now I really, really appreciate this. Because anybody who's ever watched an MMA fight. And they've seen this spot done. They've seen the the Quentin Rampage Jackson spot. That actually made me a fan of MMA. Where Ricardo Arona has a triangle locked on. Rampage lifts him up off the ground. Powerbombs him. Knocks him out. That has been emulated many, many times and often not to good results because what happens is if you have a triangle locked in really, really good, what can happen there is the person who does the slamming can just lock it in even tighter. And that's what they did here. That's the way that they portrayed it and just brilliant, really good stuff. And uh, I thought they both played that off well. Asuka eventually turns that into an arm bar and they saved that match after what I thought was a rough start. This was fun stuff, Alex.
2: Yeah, this is this is interesting. The whole thing what they're doing now is really interesting. Like, I still don't know how you get to Oscar versus Charlotte from here if that's the plan. Um, I, I just I don't know what she, somebody was like. All she's got to do is come out and say to beat the woman, you got to beat the woman or something like that, and then she just goes over and faces Charlotte. But I'm like, you you belie all the stuff that she's been doing here on Raw. So then, after this, you had Naya tries to fight out of this hold for what seems like forever. And finally, she has to tap. She's forced to. Like, it's not like I'm getting out because I don't want to get hurt. She may have sustained serious damage. And then, later, we're going to see a backstage promo. Oh, no, no, I'm going to say off.
0: I'd I'd like (laughs) to put that all in one segment
2: before before we get to that the camera lingers on her in the ring and they allow the crowd to cheer for her because she had a great match now, this is not what you do with your giant heel who's just been bested like you don't you don't show that part this was something different and she and she was obviously upset by it but it was interesting to let, let they let the crowd cheer for her that was really interesting and then later Alexa Bliss, of course, is the worst friend, even worse than Sasha Banks, comes out and tries to give her a pep talk by telling her how much she sucks. Um, uh, And Nia can't take it, and she starts to cry. A lot of people are like, this is stupid. Why are you showing Nia Jax like that? Well, because they're fundamentally changing her character. Yeah. And that's interesting because, like – Everyone was like, I want, I want to see if we're going to have this match between Alexa and, and Naya, I'd rather see Alexa be the babyface because she's so much smaller. Well, yeah, that's how you normally do it, but I'm willing to see where this goes in the opposite direction because Naya's, they've, they, they tonight, she was a very sympathetic character. I don't know where it goes from here, but I'm, I'm totally down for changing up the status quo. And finding something different. And this, because this was different, I liked it. So we'll spend some time on
0: this segment. I, I loved what they did with Nia Jax. I thought that Alexa Bliss was the perfect person to do that with. You have a story that they won't go with, but they should about her susceptibility, her being Nia Jax, of getting submitted. That's how she like almost always loses. I would spend these, I would spend at least two of these next few weeks establishing some sort of submission move for Alexa Bliss in preparation for Nia Jax. I think that's the way it's going. Nia, Alexa, at WrestleMania. This is me speculating, guys. I don't report a lot of storyline news because I don't see a positive from it. Like Because I know I know it's cliche to say, but plans do actually change. So if I report something about a storyline and plans change, which often do the night of an event, what does that do for me? That has people point at me and say, Oh, look at him. He, he reported wrong storyline info. Not, not my bag. I do here and there. I don't make a habit of it. I would imagine Asuka goes and uh, challenges Charlotte. And what I would do there, I would have uh, SmackDown send Carmella to Raw. Because I think that Money in the Bank briefcase on Raw over the next few months. I mean, God, if, if the pay-per-view is SmackDown, too, they can keep it on there as long as they damn well want. Because right. you, can, you can just do that. Nia Jax is relatable, a little bit sympathetic here. I like that they're playing off of this because it's it's a bit of a body-shaming angle, and I'm cool with that. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe they do that in 2018. Well, a compelling program could and should do that in 2018. Characters should make you angry and make you think and challenge you intellectually and make you feel different things about different, different topics that maybe you you wouldn't normally feel or you wouldn't normally even care about or you wouldn't normally even think about. That's that's what I like about this, and I hope more if it happens. I mean, they don't have to you know, go full political on some of these things, but I think this is a pretty safe one. Alexa Bliss looks a certain way. Nia Jax looks a certain way. You can go that route. I love this. I thought this was really good, the Alexa Bliss, uh, Nia stuff. I love the match between Asuka and Nia Jax. Good stuff all around. Just fun. Up next, the bar defeated the Revival. I loved Graves' line of uh, the Revival aren't on the same page. They're on the same syllable. And their offense really reflects that because it's just little, it's basic things that they do that, man, you just, you can't teach it. It's something that you do learn as you come to, to know somebody, even in a scripted situation. And these two guys just have it, Alex.
2: Oh yeah. They've, they've had it for years. Uh, my, my, my concern with this has been that you have, you set this thing up where the bar says, we, we need a, we a challenge. There's nobody else. We haven't, we haven't beaten. And the revival goes on Twitter and says, you haven't beaten us. And instead of actually building that confrontation, the revival comes out during a commercial break. They don't get an on-air introduction and they're waiting in the ring and And it's like Michael Cole's like, oh, yeah, by the way, if The Revival wins this match that we just told you about right now, um, they get a shot at the titles at WrestleMania, which tells us all watching at home, there's no way The Revival's winning this match. Because if they were going to win this match and get a shot at the titles at Mania, you would have built this thing up in some way. And also, in Milwaukee, at the Bradley Center, or, uh, yeah, at the Bradley Center, they, they, uh, B. Harris, Bradley Center, they, these people there have no reason to cheer because you've you've shown them through the past several weeks on Raw that you don't take the revival seriously. Yep. So this match, which could be amazing, are you kidding me? Like, Sheamus and Cesaro, as great as they've been on the main roster, and if you give us prime revival from NXT versus those guys, you could have a match that would go 25 minutes and tear the house down. It was still still pretty
0: good. It was still pretty good
2: for whatever it was, eight minutes long. Nine
0: but minutes, there was yeah.
2: never never any chance of the Revival winning. And and that makes me sad because I love rooting for the Revival. They're great. And now I'm going to get to see them on main event if I want to tune in and watch that.
0: <laughs> so uh, there's a really good superplex splash spot from the Revival. It's just a shame that the match didn't have any heat because they didn't take any time to build the Revival. It's... Right. 50-50 bullshit. Even even in the top of the tag division. Yeah. Because Titus Worldwide beat the bar a handful of times. Bar went in about nine minutes. Sheamus counters a shatter machine, gets teardrop suplexed, but Cesaro hits his finish for the win. John Cena comes out. This promo sucked, Alex. This it promo was, it was
2: bad. Terrible. It was terrible. Um we, well, he, we
0: we we have heard this before, right? But we get it. Yeah, we saw you, and maybe maybe it's them wanting to run an ad for the Sunday pay per view. I don't know, but
2: like you you have <laughs> you have John Cena uh, come out and say I'm going to SmackDown, and then he goes to SmackDown and he wins his match against AJ last week, which was a really great match, really great match, and he he won it fair and square. And now he's in the six-way match this Sunday. Um, so when I heard John Cena's music tonight, I thought I was auditorially hallucinating. Like I was like, Well, no, that somebody hit the wrong spot. That's not he's not here. He's on SmackDown now. And I was like, Oh no, no, he's a free agent also for promos. Um, and him coming out and being like, There's no way I could give this, this promo tomorrow. On SmackDown, because if I did this, if I say what I'm going to say, everybody would come from the back and try to kick my butt. And you know me, John Cena, I always back down from a challenge. So I'm going to do this now where nobody can come beat me up. Um, and uh, he says he's going to win the title match on Sunday. Which, Last a- week
0: on Raw, John Cena told his girlfriend that he was leaving her for another girl. The relationship worked out on Tuesday. And then the following Monday, he came back to his girlfriend's house, his ex-girlfriend's house, and said, man, that shit worked out great. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell?
2: Uh, I'm, just, well, I'm just here to pick up a few CDs I left behind.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but I wanted to tell you about how awesome it is over at my new girlfriend's place.
0: I left my Avril Levine CD here, and I need it. Yeah. I need it. And Goldust showed up. He was obviously... Vince was reminded of his existence by the Oscars. There's no way you can tell me that Goldust, who hasn't been on the show in like months, one night after the Oscars, that this has been planned like for for so long. Jesus Christ. He punched John Cena in the mouth after another bad promo. This was not good. He,
2: he comes out and he says, it's your dream to go to WrestleMania. Well, it's my dream to stop you from going to WrestleMania? Like, since when, Goldie? You're Dustin Rhodes. You've been doing this for a long, 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 long time. There's no way your dream is to stop (laughs) John Cena from going to WrestleMania.
0: Here's a good summary of the match. Goldust kicked John Cena in the penis area. Crowd didn't care. Crowd didn't care. Attitude adjustment pin. There you go.
2: Yeah. Um
0: I guess is- I guess you could say that he did kick John Cena in the penis but he didn't shatter John's dreams of WrestleMania.
2: No, he didn't. Uh this this yeah. was this was bad. The whole thing was bad. Uh it just shows shows you how how poor their mid-card heel uh situation is uh where it's like okay, we got John coming back. He's uh he's going to deliver a promo uh, we got to we got to plug Fastlane, uh, but he also needs to have a match to get a little work in. So who do we got to face him? Elias? No, he's doing that thing with uh, with Braun. Oh, oh, the Miz? Nope, nope. Miz is doing his setting up his three way thing with uh, with Finn and Seth. Oh, well, who's our other mid card heel? Nobody. Well, let's turn our mid card face Goldust, who was just the last time we saw him was palling around with everybody's favorite cruiserweight Cedric Alexander. Oh, yeah. That was like three, two months ago? And it like shows up now and is like, now I hate you, John Cena. Okay, great. Big shows over there like, sure. seriously? Seriously? Like, even I think this is crazy. So, whatever.
0: Guys, please visit our great sponsor over at draftbus.com. It is a different type of daily fantasy sports games. They have bust leagues where bust lineups are all about drafting the worst team that you possibly can. They have goon leagues which are uh, all about drafting hockey, hard-hitting players. You can earn points for blocks, hits, takeaways, and penalty minutes, which is a lot of fun. Also, they have the Bad Boy League in basketball, where you earn points for rebound, steals, block shots, and personal fouls. It is a great, different type of uh, daily fantasy experience. DraftBus.com. Show them some love. Let them know where you heard about it. Yo no, Billy Jim's in the Hall of Fame. So <clears throat> I did a video on this earlier. YouTube.com slash fightful. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe. Also, visit our great friends at Pro Wrestling Unlimited who do a lot of great work with us, for us. Uh, you can catch List and Your Boys syndicated on their channel. They do our Fightful Wrestling Weekly videos. If you haven't checked out Fightful Wrestling Weekly, I drop about a thousand words of exclusives, behind the scenes stuff, uh some stuff that maybe doesn't fit in the into articles and even fightful news. So definitely check that out every Friday. But, Hillbilly Billy Jim, he's headed for the Hall of Fame. We're going to have a bit of a discussion about this. They run a video on him. And first off, I'll ask you this. Who inducts him, if not Hogan? Maybe the Godwins, who he managed. Maybe Jimmy Hart, who got close to him on uh, Legends House. Like, we'll stick straight to that right now before we discuss him being in the Hall of Fame.
2: Axel? (laughs) Like I mean I, I I don't I honestly don't know. I mean it, uh, it can I'm well, going to I'm going to say it can't be Hogan. So so I, Jimmy Hart's a good Jimmy Hart's a good one. Somebody from that era. You yes. know what I mean? Like anybody from that I've, you could fudge it and, and put anybody you like in there, but but it can't it can't be Hogan.
0: Well they explicitly mentioned him and they rarely do. Yeah. They straight up mentioned him and I think if they're going to bring him back that's about as smooth a way as you can. Although Jeff Hawkins' recommendation of having him in a segment with New Day as their way, like, their Rudy Giuliani 9-11, is it okay to laugh again type of thing. Like, (laughs) I thought that was going to be their thing. Let's talk about Hillbilly Jim in the Hall of Fame. Now, first off, I'll let you guys get your jokes in. There are 2 mudlit Kentuckys where he is billed, one of which is 15 minutes from my front door. The other 15-minute direction the other way is the home of George Clooney. So hey, we, I'm right in the middle, right in the middle. Hillbilly Jim had about a six and a half year WWE in ring career, and uh, uh, like I liked what David Bixon's fan said. If you play up his other contributions, my God, yeah, the man is deserving. He spent six and a half years in WWE. He was a right hand man to Hogan. He I thought was a pretty fun character in that time despite the stereotype of Kentucky, which is still prominent today on WWE programming. He was uh, not a big in-ring star or anything like that, but you know, his merchandise, I can tell you, hit home with me because he was the first action figure I ever owned. I had the LJN, and that's, that's what a lot of people remember him as. A lot of younger fans know him from the Legends House show or the Gimmick Battle Royal in 2001 at WrestleMania or the SmackDown Here Comes the Pain Game. But where he really hit his stride for WWE was after his career, he did broadcasting, and he worked for Coliseum Home Video. And boy, did he do some great work for them for like a decade, Alex. like He was selling the hell out of that stuff. Uh, and then later on, he would go on to host the Access Tours that were also very successful. So he is a guy who who essentially had like a 20 year WWE run and is still associated with the company. So I think for his contributions outside the ring, sure, why not?
2: Yeah, no, uh, I, I I always had a, hof, a soft spot in my heart for for Hillbilly Jim. I mean, there was um the, when I was a, a young kid. Uh, the, one of my favorite shows on Saturday morning cartoons was Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. Yeah, and that and that's where I got that's how where I was introduced to to uh to Hillbilly Jim was the, his character on that show who was just this really affable stupid hick, but he was so sweet. You know what I mean? And uh and there was there like um there were two shows on in the, in the in like the late afternoons on the weekends. Uh, which was like some old wrestling stuff. Was it current at the time? But also followed by uh, Hee Haw, and <laughs> my, my young young brain couldn't understand why Hillbilly Jim didn't show up on Hee Haw because he was he was like from that same show. Um, so those are just weird random memories I have of, of Hillbilly Jim at the time, and I've always thought you know uh, he was a really big dude who always he was had- a huge son of a bitch, huge guy. And, uh, like, he didn't do a lot with his in-ring career as far as I remember. But um, but I always remember, like, him just getting the crowd, just having so much fun. And, you know, playing up, just being a giant guy who wore a huge horseshoe around his neck.
0: And after his WWF run in the ring, like I said, he went straight into broadcasting, went straight into Coliseum Video, did the access stuff. He also managed the Godwins to a tag team championship, which... You know, when you're making the case for somebody, you got to list all these on TV, all that stuff. Remind them that he did this stuff because people are putting him in the same conversation with the Coco Beware and the Bushwhackers. Now, let me tell you, the Bushwhackers pre-WWF, they earned their spot. Coco Beware earned his spot, if nothing else, for beating the shit out of, I think it was, the Patriot in like or some masked wrestler in 1984 the best job match i've ever seen in my life he beat the brakes off this guy in fact if you all google squash city Coco beware i did an article last year where i made a case that he earned his hall of fame spot just for beating up that jobber so badly that series will come back in the summer uh, by the way guys i do those features and uh, like my wikipedia fact check and Uh, squash city I do them in seasons essentially that way you all don't get tired of them every single week I bring them back take them away but check that out by the way Wikipedia fact check with Colt Cabana up on our exclusive section that was a lot of fun Hillbilly Jim Hall of Fame Bailey defeated Mandy Rose Paige cut a good promo about how dumb Paley was for pushing away her only friend and says there's strength in numbers it's good to hear Paige back on the mic Alex
2: yeah We haven't heard her on the mic in the arena since the news of her injury. Um, Yeah, and like I said, she was doing great work on the mic before the injury. And, you know, in her her backstage promo stuff they have on the YouTube, and she did stuff uh, at at the Illumination Chamber or, no, Royal Rumble, something like that, the uh, the, um, uh, pre-show. She was on the panel for a little bit. She's she's great on the mic. This was great. I loved her Bailey impression where she held the the. You put up her own ponytail. That was great. Um, listen, like, you, until you give us a reason why she's not now the de facto manager of Sonia Deville and Randy Rose, like, let's just do that. Like, have her have her be that, and she could be their mouthpiece because Lord knows they need it at this they point. Do. And she's really good at that, so let her do that.
0: Well, I want to say Mandy Rose kicked a bunch of ass in this match, and it's because Bailey kicked a bunch of ass in this match. Mandy's offense looked really, really good, and that was because Bailey made it look really, really good. Uh, DeVille tried to distract Bailey. Bailey countered Mandy into a roll-up to get the win. There was just, like, this match, I watched it, and I said, you know what, it wasn't great wasn't terrible it was a perfectly passable raw match especially for somebody the experience level of a Mandy Rose thought she did great and I thought Bailey did great carrying her through that match that's what you got to do you mix the green with the not green and I can't say enough for the that's got to be WWE's got to be smiling about Mandy Rose who you know, I couldn't. I couldn't get it. I was like, you know, when I when the Miz brought her back on Tough Enough because she was hot and all that stuff. I was like, come on, there are a million hot women in this world. And then I saw her perform live, and there was a presence about her. WWE's got to be real thrilled with this performance, Alex.
2: Yeah, no. She, listen, you 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 bring them, you bring her and Deville up, and you have faith they're going to learn on the job. You know, and from what I've seen so far, they are. You know what I mean and so uh, they're they're not it's not like I don't have no idea what their plans were for this group if Paige had remained healthy I honestly don't know what they what they were going to do with that but they're nowhere near the title picture of the women's division right now nor should they be but they're good hands to have if you if you need to have Bailey have a storyline where she gets beat up by two women at once and then Sasha comes to help her and then Bailey refuses a hug if you need that, these are your girls to have there doing it, and they're going to make a, that whole thing look good.
0: Well, that's what happened. Banks came out after they jumped, they being absolution, and uh, raised Bailey's hand, offers a hug. Bailey leaves her hanging. Cool. I'm ready for Sasha Bailey at WrestleMania. I'm down for it. I want it. I can't wait. What was the name of this Braun Strowman-Elias match? The Symphony
2: of Destruction.
0: Ah, man, that's, actually, that's actually very good. I first discovered Megadeth. I discovered Megadeth way, way later in life than most people did. Because, I mean, I knew who Megadeth were, but I think I saw one Dave Mustaine interview and I was like, I'm not listening to that guy do anything. <laughs> so I think I actually discovered them through a WWE game that Symphony of Destruction was on and I was like, wow, this song kicks ass. It does. So I love that they, they call this a Symphony of Destruction match. I didn't give this a rating on my match ratings because how can you? Uh,
2: How do they not? You could rate the segment. Yes. The segment was great. How do they
0: not do an Elias concert at Access after what we saw? The versatility on piano, on the drums, which maybe he just learned to play for this segment, uh, on the guitar. Man, this was fun. This was
2: great. Uh, Elias is great. Uh, he's uh, uh, Who knew That uh, a guy who uh, When he was in NXT We were like this guy cannot play the guitar <laughs> But not only can he play the guitar now He can also play the piano And play the drums a little bit I wanted to see him break out like a flugelhorn or something Like really something Intricate and hard um, I think he, this was all really great Everything leading up to the point where he was like I'm gonna peace out, bye Everything leading up to that was was excellent
0: well, I've, I've been told that that is a big vote of confidence for on WWE's behalf that he was sent out to do all this stuff. Not only that, but he learned how to do it. So, yeah. I mean, because as soon as I saw that, I was text messaging anybody that I thought might have any idea, and they were like, oh, yeah, he's in favor right now because he's going the extra mile. Also worth noting, I was told this week that uh, Ronda Rousey and and her husband, Travis Brown, are both very, very popular backstage in WWE. So. Take that for what you will, but they are very well-liked, and apparently they're doing all the right things as well. Elias tries to run away when the lights are low and goes to drive off, but Stroman has lifted the back two wheels of his car off the ground. Playboy, you should have rented a four-wheel drive. Did <laughs> I got the Jeep, my man. Come on.
2: <laughs>
0: He's Liberty owner right here.
2: I I love that, that 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 Braun restrained himself by just lifting the back wheels a few inches off the ground when we know he could have flipped that car onto its onto its roof at yeah. a moment's notice. I mean, just a car, not not a not a tractor, trailer, or an ambulance. It's very easy by comparison. So I admire I admire his restraint. Um I did think as he was chasing Elias back into the building. Holy crap, I hope that door is not locked from the inside because it yeah. almost shut. And I was like, uh, 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 who knows? Um, but uh, everything, just chasing him back in there, and then is magic. Braun Strowman destroying stuff, threatening to destroy stuff. It's all it magic.
0: Worked, it worked for me. Uh, Elias got a little offense, cracked a guitar over Braun's back, but it didn't do a whole lot for him. It did bust Strowman open, though. Strowman drags Elias up the ramp. And one of my favorite thing is, things is how Strowman slings all the monitors off, mm-hmm. only to not use the table at all. <laughs> so he just wasted those, those little HD monitors. Strow- <laughs> After tossing Elias into a bunch of guitars, he uses the big double bass, cracks it over Elias's back. And then the instrument that Elias started to play as, as a wee little boy, the piano, <laughs> that's what he came up learning. Get slammed down on him,
2: yeah, that was great. He kicked. Sometimes sometimes it, sometimes it's your own homies, you know. That's right. He kicked the leg off of the of the piano, and then just dropped it on him, which was great. I did want him to like get power slammed onto the piano, or like put his head.
0: Just watch it collapse. Yeah. Put his
2: put his head through the kick drum. Or, like, what? two big symbols, like, smash his head with those. There were so many things that could have been done. Um, But as it is, uh, I I was happy just to see Braun pick up the win here. Um, I am a little worried uh, that we're just going to get another five weeks of this, and then they'll have a match at Mania.
0: I I hope not. I hope not. I'm done seeing this. What what else is there?
2: I, I don't know, but they do not seem to have any other direction for Braun at the moment. And while this is fun, you got to give me Braun in a real match for real stakes at Mania. Like, you, you, he's he got left, basically left off the card last year, which was unconscionable. And after everything he's done in the past 11 months, this man has to be one of your major focuses. They, they the, sacrificed a the Braun
0: battle royal win for Mojo, Jinder, and Gronk. And uh, not one of the three are going to work out for you.
1: Nope.
0: Bray Wyatt squashed Rhino. That's what happened. Wasn't close at all. Bray Wyatt calls out Matt Hardy. As I put in the Fightful Wrestling Weekly recently, Bray and Matt Hardy have convinced Vince McMahon to let them take the chains off. And I'm glad I put that in the Fightful Wrestling Weekly. Read it, guys, every Friday morning. Bray Wyatt calls out Matt Hardy. But Hardy says that if he wants Wyatt – or if Wyatt wants to face him again, he's going to have to come to the Hardy compound. This is what we need. This is what we've waited for. Unfortunately, it's – the la- The buildup has been lame, and it took Vince a long time to, to write off on it and – or to let it go. How do you think it'll be? We saw a little bit of footage. We saw the dilapidated boat, Vanguard 1, things like that. <clears throat>
2: Senior Benjamin has prepared the battlefield for annihilation. Listen, um, this there's no way this could possibly be what they allowed these guys to do in in TNA in Impact because Vince won't just won't let it go that far. But what if he did? What if what if Matt came to him and said, "I want to do all these amazing things," um, and Vince is like, "Sure, whatever." I mean, it's not like it's the most important thing. It's not like it's going to embarrass the company. Like, let it be as crazy outlandish as possible. Because if this, if this winds up being part of, like, WrestleMania, it'll be the ninth most important thing on the card. Okay, okay.
0: last year we got a bunch of weird projection images on the ring. Like, yeah. come on. I'm ready for all the tie-ins. I want Bray to solicit the help of his old buddies. And then Harper and Rowan to show up and knock drones out of the sky with their goddamn hammers. I want Bo to show up and be like, Bray, come on, you got to get out of here. What are you doing?" And then Jeff beats him up. I want all the tie-ins possible. Yeah, I want it all. Yeah, I-, I gotta have it all. Yeah, need it.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm incredibly excited. Like he's Vanguard One is out there. They showed the dilapidated boat. The dilapidated boat, Sean. Like this is real. It's happening. I have to hold on to hope that it's going to be excellent. And they're even
0: crap. they're even on good terms with Shane Helms. Like I mean, maybe somebody gets kicked out of the boat, and out of the lake of reincarnation comes the hurricane. Oh, like I, I want all of this. I want all the, the cameos. I want. I want all of this. Bring back Hornswoggle. Didn't yeah. he appear in the in one of yes. the del- there yes yes Oh, they got to do it. They got to do
2: it. Bring bring back Oh, the-
0: my God. So, Joshua Sewell in our chat just said, Bray Wyatt gets knocked into the Lake of Reincarnation. Who does he come out as? Husky Harris. Goddamn right he does. Yeah. The Ferrari with the tank engine or the tank with the Ferrari engine, whatever the hell it is.
2: Whatever it is, that thing isn't moving because you need to let something a lot bigger than a <laughs> Ferrari engine to move a tank. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> true. Oh,
0: man. Miz is out. He's handing out Mizzy Awards. Rollins and Balor win one, but they can't accept it because they weren't invited. Angle wins one too, but he gets trolled. Miz gives himself a lifetime achievement, Mizzy. Eventually, Rollins interrupts, and he's interrupted himself by Old Blue Balor again. Miz eviscerates Balor, in particular, on the mic, saying that to get over in WWE, it takes more than a hand signal that isn't even his. Yep. A damn. So Miz, rightfully, I think, challenges these two to a handicap match after they essentially had a handicap match against him last week. It's a solid match, some predictable work. Miz works over Rollins. Balor gets a hot tag, gets cut off. I am a sucker for that superplex Falcon Arrow spot, and I am even more of a sucker for a Balor or anybody taking out two opponents with one dive because it makes the dive make more sense. Rollins tags in while Balor's going for the coup de gras and they win after the stomp which they still haven't named what do you I think of the segment the match before we get
2: to the stomp segment is fun, is great you know the miz is is just he's wonderful he's awesome that's what is that's what his song says and that's what he is he's awesome um i uh, I particularly loved um his evisceration of Finn Balor, even though sometimes he gets a little too close to home and you're like, Hey, miss, we're trying, we actually are trying to get this guy over. You could possibly take it down a notch. Um, because all he does is point out truths. The Miz never lies. That's the thing is like, he may have it. Like he may be self-serving, but everything he says, is all the things that he says about Seth Rollins, like with Seth Rollins was like, Hey, you know how you get everything? You you go sixty-five minutes in a gauntlet match, and the announcer says that he lost, which is true. That's not. A, that's not. A, that's not. A, that's not. A, that's not a, this is true. And Finn has said, like, as soon as I am healthy, I'll be back here contending for that championship I never lost. How's that going, Finn? Going good? Because you haven't had a match for that yet, have you? Which is true. But a lot of these things are not Seth Rollins or Finn Balor's fault. It's just more like actually a dig at the bookers and the writers. Um, but I, I did love that whole thing. And the match was, was fine. It's good. And it gets us to a point which I'm, which I'm looking forward to. is a triple threat match between Finn, Seth, and Miz. That's going to be great. Let's do that.
0: That's what Kurt Angle announces. We have an, interco- an intercontinental title match for WrestleMania. I like it a lot more than like a five-way
2: Which there, which I have heard is like, well, we got nothing else for these guys. How about we put Braun and Elias in there too? Yeah, I'm like, okay, then now you got to now. Here's the problem with that. Now you got to book around trying to convince me that Braun isn't going to win that match because you put him in the ring with seven guys, six other dudes, and him. uh, uh, Several of which are of a higher caliber. Like these, all these dudes that he's already beaten. So why wouldn't he beat them again? And now there's no Roman Reigns to steal his, his, his match. He would have to win this, wouldn't he? And then that kind of puts a damper on everything else you can do with the match. So I don't know. I I I don't know.
0: So main event segment time, Paul Heyman comes out, makes a case for how much Brock Lesnar means, says that if he wants, he'll come out and lay down the UFC heavyweight championship as well. Uh, A lot of questions in regards to Lesnar. I've answered them before. He's not in the USADA pool. He's got to be in there six months before he fights again. There you go. Uh, I loved Heyman's promo. I thought it was the best promo that he has cut in a very, very, very long time. Says that Undertaker wrestling once a year didn't take away from the accomplishment that Brock Lesnar had. And that if somebody would have made that argument, it would have been bullshit. Mm -hmm. Which he screamed and was appropriately censored well not appropriately who gives a damn about that right but was carefully censored on the usa network this cut out for a lot of people actually uh xfinity in some areas direct now playstation view i think it was a lot of streaming services essentially did but it came back and then Heyman cuts a promo about the qualifications of a champion and says that the title is brock lesnar's bitch and that he will be here next week I thought that the fire was there. It was a little different than, or a lot different than his usual promos. It wasn't just him saying conquer, repeat, suplex, the beast, yada, yada. This was him making a good point about some legitimate concerns of Brock Lesnar holding this championship and not being there. Roman Reigns comes out and voices some more of those and says that Lesnar sending Heyman proves that he's a bitch. He says that Lesnar needs to come dress for a fight next week and that he just wants Lesnar to be there just like the fans do. Lesnar worked a 30-second match this weekend, and the way that it was kind of spun would make you believe that fans were upset that this happened, although I don't know what they expect out of a Brock Lesnar house show match these days. I want your thoughts on the Heyman segment, Reigns, before we get into the Lesnar deal.
2: Um. Uh, yeah, I... For the most part, I, I did like uh, Paul's uh, speech. Um, I do think, and this is this is where I'm going to get accused by some of the our listeners of being an SJW or something. Um, there's a latent misogyny about saying that the title is Brock Lesnar's bitch and that he owns her. She is his property and you can't have her. Like it's it's a thing. It's a belt. Like it's not it's not a woman. And and by disparaging it as a woman, well yeah, yeah. he
0: did he did go out of his way to say she and her. Right.
2: He went it. He went as as far as he possibly could to make the belt female and to put it put it as as the ownership the property of Brock Lesnar, which
0: isn't Everything it, but throwing a butterfly on it. That's yeah, what he
2: did. Yeah, it, it, isn't, it isn't helpful in, 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 your, in your attempt to maybe move away from that late misogyny uh, that has plagued uh, this business and this company for a very long time and that they appear to be trying to get away from. So I just say just watch. We're we not doing phrasing anymore. Like, let's just watch the terminology. All you had to do was say it instead of she and her, and it, it would have helped the situation a lot. I don't like the, the 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 use of 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 bitch as a thing when you mean coward or something like that. I don't I don't think that helps matters. Whatever, it's it's a thing that I have to have to accept. But in this particular case, specifically making the belt female was just weird. Um, it was on. It was, on. Um, it was definitely a choice that they made, and it 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 felt intentional. Anyway, um, Rock uh, Roman coming out. Uh, and, and saying like, this is my whole point. You, he doesn't show up. He sends you. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to him like that. That that's great. Um, I did think it was a weird thing where, where earlier, uh, Heyman had said, uh, Undertaker only works once a year. I'm like, well, yeah, he does, but he's not the champion. Like if the Undertaker was the champion, I think he'd show up more than once a year. I don't know how many times Brock shows up. It's not once. But it's not ten is it ten times a year like it's it, it, he's the champion like he he's the if that belt is his property then um then he's holding it and keeping it from everybody else because he doesn't have matches where he can be won and given to somebody else uh so I think that 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 point that that Paul Heyman makes doesn't hold water um but listen if if what you're trying to do is to make me root for the belt to get put on um roman reigns uh success you've won because at this point, I am kind of tired of just watching Brock show up um have a match with a guy that I like more than brock f five that guy once and and get a victory uh, i'm kind of I'm kind of done with with suplex spamming brock um There are no fewer than five great feuds waiting for a Roman Reigns champion uh, in which he can play all versions of his tweener self, depending on who he's going up against. Yeah. So I'm ready. I'm ready to root for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which is a major thing if you've been following this podcast for a while.
0: Ah, shit. Yeah. uh, I am also, you know, I was on the Brock Lesnar Like I enjoyed a lot of his stuff, but then at some point the matches got lazy and they lost their fire and they just weren't as fun. I I think it happened for me somewhere in the middle of the Braun Strowman match where it was clear he got lost and you got a guy who's been wrestling two and a half, three years in that's kind of helping you find your place. And it's like, ooh, I I don't like that. I do not like that. But uh, I loved this segment. I loved Reigns. I loved uh, Heyman. I thought it was all great. This episode of Raw wasn't too bad. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But, I mean, there was some solid stuff on this show. I liked the Rousey, Angle, Triple H, Stephanie segment. Liked Oscar, Nia Jax, that whole direction. Bar and the Revival was fun for as short as it was. Uh, Bailey, Mandy Rose looked good. Strowman and Elias was fun. I'm happy about the Ultimate Deletion. I uh enjoyed the yeah the Mr. thing whatever eh, right. I, it could have been better it could have been worse Cena Gold Dust that all
2: uh, yeah I wanted to go back to the Brock thing for a second um if you go back a couple of years in November uh the night that wrestling died um when 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 Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar with two spears and a jackhammer I think what I was overreacting to at the time was that this was the end for me of Brock Lesnar, the killer, who I thought was unbeatable, and I was looking forward to seeing him try and get toppled by some guy, the guy coming up, the next guy, who at that time I did not know was Braun Strowman. Yeah. But, like, think of if that whole Lesnar-Goldberg debacle had never happened, and Brock had not lost in years... And was just untouchable. And you built this guy somehow from the ground up into this amazing thing where he really is the next guy. And finally, at Mania, the guy who is, among the fans, the consensus guy, beats Brock Lesnar. The beast who has been undefeated in the WWE for like three years. Like what an amazing moment that could have been. And it was taken from us. because. Two spears and a jackhammer, um, yeah. and so I think that moment is what began me souring on uh, Brock Lesnar as as the top in the top of the heap, because it it, it, it I don't I don't one f
0: five should finish everybody, yeah. It, I, in my opinion, it should finish everybody. It hasn't in the past, but it should. They they bastardize a lot of moves, but I think that one f five should be able to finish everybody. A lot of people had a problem with it finishing Strowman like that, but. I think it's one of the best moves, period, or used to be when he threw it. Uh, as we wrap up, there was one thing I wanted to mention 50 man Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia in April. Uh, they say broadcast uh, information will be released soon. That's no guarantee it'll be on the WWE network, but if it's broadcast anywhere, it will make its way yeah. over here somehow. It. I'm a dork for Royal Rumbles, kind of pumped for it. I'll yeah,
2: watch it. I mean, I guess the whole thing is that they couldn't call it a a fifty man battle royal because then it would have to start with all fifty men in the ring at the same time. Fifty
0: man Royal Rumble.
2: Yeah, that's the whole thing is that I think that the Royal Rumble is a once a year thing.
0: Like, they call it, just, it the Greatest Royal Rumble.
2: I, I know, I know, that's what they're calling it. It feels weird to call it that. I I think that that it was something like you know the King of Saudi Arabia says. I want to put on the greatest Royal Rumble. Here is all of the money. And they said, "Sure, we'll do that." Yeah. It felt that's what it feels like to me. Um I I would like to see this match. I hope that it is broadcast on the WWE network. Um I I hope some the whoever wins gets something. Yeah, you would hope. I hope they get a title.
0: Have Seth run the whole thing. Cuz
2: it's like it's like the end of uh the end of April Right end of April. Yeah. Um. Maybe you bring back King of the Ring, or or oh, not in the King of the Ring. That's the tournament. I'm saying like you got to give them, give them, give the guy who wins this a shot at the title at Money in the Bank because that's their next big big pay per view. Let them do that way. Um. You know, or I, I don't. I think you want to hold it off till SummerSlam, but maybe they'll do that too. But somebody yeah. who wins this needs something out of it. Um. I, but I'm looking forward to watching it.
0: Guys, subscribe to us, like, thumbs up, follow me at Sean Ross follow him at Palowski the Forge. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. But most importantly, visit Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com. Tweet out our stories, retweet them, anything you can to help. Guys, I really appreciate you all tuning in. We are making a big push for WrestleMania weekend. We have a lot of cool stuff coming your way. As I said, got a little teaser, uh, an opportunity for some premium content Some stuff that has went away that's going to come back and you all have a chance to support Fightful accordingly. Until next time, guys, we are out.